Hey, welcome to Life 2.0 Podcast. I'm John St. Augustine. Glad to have you joining me from anywhere and everywhere around planet Earth. Time to go up the down staircase in the outdoor. Make sense out of the senseless. If at all possible, find the obvious buried in the absurd. Hang on to your lug nuts. It's time for an overall. Even though I'm only using about 12 seconds of taking care of business, I probably owe Randy Bachman about $14.58 for using that as the open almost every show I've done for the last 25 years. It started, you know, when I was a kid, the first concert I ever went to was Bachman Turner Overdrive at the old Chicago Stadium, and I mean old. The Rats were ushers. It was that old. Anyway, we'd go watch Blackhawk games and stuff like that there, and I think it was in 1973, my uh, freshman year in high school, and... Bach, BTO was huge, and so we heard they were coming to Chicago. We bought tickets. They were like $7 for good seats, and a friend of mine, his father drove us to the Chicago Stadium in a hearse. He was an undertaker, so there was three or four or five of us, I don't recall, all piled in the back of this hearse, and we went to see Bachman Turner Overdrive, and of course, the last song they did was their huge hit back then was Taking Care of Business. So anyway, ever since then, it's been in my mind, in the soundtrack of my brain, and when I got on the air in 1997, I thought, ah, I got to use that song to, to start out. Because in so many ways, I feel like everything I've done on radio in any iteration I've had is about taking care of business on some level, some way, somehow. So I've done so many different titled shows over the years. My first outing was called Power Talk Radio. I'm not sure where that came from. It sounded a little life coaches before there was life coaches. But anyway, I've had all these different shows with different titles, but underneath it all, it's basically the same. So this particular podcast, Life 2.0, is about upping the experience of being alive, if at all possible, in any way, shape, or form that I, I can bring to the table. And sometimes I think I knock it right out of the park, and other times I'm following them off left and right, man. But I'm still in there swinging, and I think that's what the whole idea is when it comes to being alive. You're not going to hit them all out of the park. Sometimes it goes zero for 19, but you still got to get in the batter's box. And I have to tell you that one of the real joys of my life uh, being in the radio business for as long as I have is the people I get a chance to spend time with. I have been first chair trumpet with some of the most brilliant human beings on the planet, and it has all rubbed off on me without them knowing it, I think. And so many different names and places and people and, and events and just books. And I can't begin to tell you the list is, is endless. I think about my friend, the late, great Wayne Dyer quite often, who uh, I met him through a mutual friend, uh, and she put him on the show, and we became great friends on and off the air, spent many years together talking. He'd call me from Hawaii. I think it was like a 19-hour time difference or something. He'd be calling me at 5 o'clock in the morning going, uh, what are you doing? I'm coming to Chicago. I'm like, I'm sleeping. It's 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. Great guy. None of that would have happened without me being on the air. And so there is this list of people that have made such an impression on me that I tend to go back to them time and time again. You'll often hear me on this show when I was doing the Thursday, uh, Throwback Thursday edition, I would bring Wayne Dyer on virtually. Wayne passed away about five or six years ago, but I don't think he cares if I play tapes of our conversations because to me, the teacher may not be here, but the lessons continue. But today, we have someone who I think is the best educator when it comes to money. I first met Julie Murphy uh, back when I was at Harpo, she had a book out at that time 
which was a number one bestseller, by the way, uh, Awaken Your Wealth. And she also had the emotion behind money. They were, they were kind of one after the other. And I brought her on when I was the producer of the Jean Chatsky show. Now, Jean is no slouch with money. She was the money maven on the NBC Today show. And I knew they would hit it off. And to hear Julie talk about the emotion behind money and how, what drives all this with us, and to hear Jean talk about more of the practical side, it was a great, great connection. I've had her on many different shows over the years. She's got something new out that I know you need to know about. And she joins me today from Chicago. Hey, Jules. Hey, John. How are you? I'm good. Was that enough? big enough buildup for you? Oh, I literally wrote it down. Oh. The best educator when it comes to money. I was like, oh. Like, it's true. You just melted my heart. Thank oh, you. that's great. Well, listen, <laughs> you know, it, the thing that's, here's where it comes from for me and why I make this connection with you. My dad, as you know, was a banker for 35, 40 years. Mm-hmm. And I learned from him what not to do because he started in collections. <laughs> Right. And when you listen to your father come home every night and talk about how bad money is and what it does to people, <laughs> that, right? be- that becomes a That's thing. That's not a good energetic frequency. No, <laughs> not at all. And later in his career, he got into the loan side, which kind of balanced it out a little bit. But it was always, it was never about the lessons of, of what do you do with the money and all, all the right. things that you talk about. It was just one or the other. Either it's bad because money right. puts you in collections or oh, you need to borrow so money yeah, to get somewhere. But you're... Before we get into the books and what you're doing with this new course and all the type Mm -hmm. of things, what is most important to me about you is your experience. You're not coming at this from theory. You're coming at it from your own life experience. Yeah, absolutely. How did this all start? Yeah, I'm the second oldest of 12 kids, and uh, (laughs) I didn't have money growing up, but we were all happy. And um, when I look back at it, like people would look at us and be like, oh my God. And I'm like, (laughs) what? Like I had no concept of what, what that, oh my God was about. (laughs) And, um, and I I don't know, we always were happy. We were provided for, we, um, supported each other and you never hit rock bottom because you had 11 other people around to help Mm. pull you up. Mm. And, um, and I never really realized how much that that impacted, you know, how I grew a business, writing books and, and doing everything else in my life. And then, I started to realize that, well, as I became a financial planner, people suffer because of their money scenario. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have no money. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think people who have a ton of money suffer a lot more than people who don't have money. Yeah. And it's a different type of suffering, you know, and I've realized I, I categorize people into there's the poor, the debtors, the dreamers, the accumulators, and the rich but empty. Mm. And everyone who's not rich, and what we would consider to have a lot of money, everybody thinks that, well, once I get rich, then everything will be okay. And it never is, because once you become financially independent enough that you could quit your job, most people get to that point and then they're still not happy. And it was this happiness that I had in my childhood that, wow, I, I, every day in the present moment, like we were living and we were plugged into life. And so I've learned in working with clients over the last almost 30 years now, I can't believe, um, has been that, wow, when we choose things that are outside of ourselves, like I'm going to just go after that career and I'm just gonna, you know, block and tackle and block and tackle Mm -hmm. and do all these things and work hard. 
If you've left your heart on the sidelines along the way, you've created suffering patterns. And so this is about how to get what it is that you desire in life while also meeting your heart's desires. It's not an either or, and so many of us um, have left our heart on the, on the sidelines. And I've told people like, no, it's an and, not an either or. It's like, you can do this all together. And that way you have sustainable happiness, which in my new book I call um, the embodiment of real wealth. Hmm. Because you're wealthy in your financial life, your personal life, your family life, your professional life, and spiritually fulfilled. Well, listen, first of all, because you're a Notre Dame gal and using all these football metaphors, <laughs> we'll be friends forever. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I'm wondering what it's been like for you, because I, I picture you whenever we have these conversations with your, your clients sitting in front of you at a desk, and they're telling you their life story, and I know you've heard it all. Sure. And I and I wonder what they feel like they're coming to you for wealth management and to, and to take care of a very very important part of our lives, which is our finances. But when you start telling them things like about the emotional pieces of this, as opposed to stocks and bonds and where to put your money and da da da, what, what kind of response do you get from people? You know, they actually say like, "Oh, finally, someone who understands me," because mm -hmm. so many people in finance actually talk above people's heads. Um, you know, and it's because they're really smart and they're trying to prove like, I'm really smart and I can really do this for you. And, and people, um, get this essence of what I've now come to learn is that they come to me for permission to live the life that they desire to live. They just don't know how to get there. Uh. And, um, because we've all pigeonholed ourselves into lifestyles based on our cash flows. Say and that again, please. <laughs> <laughs> we've all pigeonholed ourselves um in our lives because of our cash flows yeah mm. and we don't realize that we're pigeonholed but we're searching for something and we don't necessarily know what that something is but then the minute somebody sits down in front of me and i go well why do you have this financial product and why do you work at the employer you have i ask them what's their why behind it because to me I want you to set these intentions of what you want to create in your life and let's have your money support that. Have right. your money energize those intentions because then you have an established why behind why you're doing what you're doing. Like I just had a client like this is, some people would think this is completely obnoxious, but I had one client recently call up and say, okay, I just can't do this anymore with the pharmaceutical industry and social media like it's not serving people's souls blah, blah. and that's her viewpoint right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so literally we have in her portfolio a whole bunch of stocks and we literally took out all the pharmaceuticals and anything that's social media because in her heart and soul like she just doesn't align with what's going on in the world in those arenas and so she's energizing her money with her belief system and her values mm. and um, and, and you can do that with stocks, but that's also like where you spend your money on your right. cash flows too. Like how many times do we have a credit card bill that, oh, I forgot I had that thing that populates my credit card bill with fourteen ninety nine every month and for the right. last three years, right? It's like, right. well, that fits your life before, but does it fit your life today? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. See, the reason I call you the educator around money is because nobody teaches this in school. Zero. Right. I was right. in a... Uh, uh, Chicago Public High School, I learned how to write out a check. Right. That's about the <laughs> consumer ex ed class, right? Consumer <laughs> ed, you got it. Consumer ed. 
Mr. <laughs> Sterling Kirsch was our uh, teacher. And here's right. how you write out a check and here's how you make a deposit. That's it. Yeah. So, so many people out in the world with no idea. And some of this stuff takes forever to kind of uncover this emotional piece. What right. drives you, what holds you back, those type of things. And so this client that you had who in her heart of hearts could no longer support that, even though she'd been making money, right. that's a big step. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, people, why do people not do that? They don't do that because of the fear of what are they going to miss out on. Right. Because they think something outside of themselves is actually better than what you're knowing is in your inside for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad, the one thing, now listen, let me do get me wrong. My dad's a great guy. I, I, even though uh, the whole, you know, thing with the, the consumers and having to get, you know, people going into counseling over money and having to call people for money and stuff, even though that was a, it took a toll on him, it taught me something. It taught me that that's energy because I saw it way on him that I didn't want to get involved in. Even though I heard it every night and I heard about all these people that were in collections, I could see he took their energy on. Totally takes their energy on, right? Right. And it becomes part because everything is frequency. Yes. Like from our money to our disease to... So we have to understand that our emotions are energy in motion. So... When we're having an emotion, that that is then what you are putting out into the world, and it's it's considered emotional projection, right? So you're yeah. projecting that emotion, and like I'll tell my kids today, like, <laughs> and I got uh, a teenager and a preteen, so I, I'm, <laughs> I'm knee deep in the uh, emotional side. I'll be like. Yeah, that's, you're emotionally projecting on the rest of us. So if you could just go in your room and go inside <laughs> and figure out what's going on there. Yeah. Because, and, you know, for better or for worse, you know, I've become an expert on the emotional side of things. And um, that it's about really when we want to go outside with it, what we really need to do is go inside. Because that outside is happening because you have some unresolved thing from your childhood yep, yep. that the feelings are just trying to come up and out. And the only way out of that is to actually feel the feelings. Yeah. And so if you're having fights about money with your spouse, your spouse does something and you're triggered, the trigger's about you. It's not about the spouse. Yeah, I always realize people have stand-ins, right? So like you said, you get to a certain <laughs> point in your life and who you're yelling at isn't really the person that you're yelling exactly. at. Exactly. Because you'll notice over time, you're yelling at the same person with right. a different face right. and a different name. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, I, I do this. Uh, I don't do as much as I used to because of the last couple of years with Cyrus, the virus, everybody's landlocked. But I would do these uh, small events with people and talk about things. And I get pretty adept. You've been in radio 25 years. You get pretty adept at asking questions. And I think that most people ask the wrong questions most of their life. I mean, the biggest question is, what's for dinner? Not much happens after that. <laughs> but working with people, I always likened it to splinters. You know, our whole life splinters go into us in many different ways, shapes, and forms. And they get pushed in deep, 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 deep. And over time, like a splinter, they work themselves to the surface. And you have a choice when that happens. Push it back in or pull it out. Both hurt. Yeah, for you sure. You just got to decide which one you're going to live with longer. So what you're talking about makes right. so much sense. And the money part of this. Is there anything in our in our lives that really gets our attention more than money or lack of it? It's bouncing around all the time. I don't know how people, you know, play the tug of war on Wall Street. That's your business Ooh. where every eight minutes on the hour, they're giving us the stock updates. I'd go nuts. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Right, right. Well, you know, money is a funny thing, right? It makes the world go round. 
Yep. And when we can start to understand it as an energy and a frequency, and then deciding whether or not we want to be part of that energy and frequency. So like I had a whole conversation with a client this morning where I was just trying to listen to what it is that was going on with her. And, you know, as she's gotten older and in her early 50s, she's now sitting here going, what I heard and all the words she said, she didn't actually say this, was that she just needs to simplify it all. Mm-hmm. You know, she was always so afraid to make mistakes that she put her money in all these different places because of her fear. Uh, and now she's like, I can't keep track of it all because it's in so many different places. And so it's like, okay, so so she's working through her unresolved fear from years ago. And so we are structuring a plan of how to just get it in alignment. And I think it's really important for people to also understand that just because it's something that worked for you in your past, you need to honor who you are today. Even if it means you completely flip the entire script. Because you may have had brokerage accounts and played the market, but the world is different today. And today you may decide, like, I just can't even do that anymore because I'm not sleeping. Right. And, and honor that you're not sleeping. Like, you're not going to miss out. You just make a different decision that puts your financial foundation in place that supports who you are today and the life you're living today because yesterday's gone and tomorrow's not promised. Yeah. Tell me about the connection between the things that we have, how people emotionally connect to their value as a human being to the stuff, to the houses, the cars, even the stocks and the bonds and the vacations, none of which are bad in themselves. No. But the no. connection the connection, and giving your value and self-worth over to things. And I remember Oprah saying something like, it's okay to have things, but it's not okay when the things have you. Ah, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I always say that we work things out or we act it out, and we do it through our money, through our health, or our relationships. One more time, please, Murph. Yes. We either work things out or we act it out, and we do it through our money, through our health, or our relationships. Mm -hmm. So when I see people um, increasing their spending, I now know to ask questions going, hey, what's going on in your world? Oh, nothing. That's always (laughs) what they say. And then I go... Nothing but what? Like, you um, ignored me for five years, and we didn't meet, and you've gotten pay raises over those five years, and you have a new house, you have a better car, like, you're increasing your lifestyle. And then it turns out, like, this person's unhappy because of X, Y, and Z. Right. Because that's spending, and, and, and you know, you got to be careful because... Let's say you're emotionally spending and you create what I like to call a spending hangover when you get that credit card (laughs) bill. Um, You know, if you don't have the means to then pay off that overspending, now you've created an even bigger suffering pattern because now you have to use your cash coming in the door today to pay for all yesterday's choices. And that's what, that goes back to pigeonholing yourself into a lifestyle um, that the debt is really the piece that takes people's personal freedoms away. And it causes people to live a life of financial disempowerment. And, and then it leaks over into, well, I have to keep doing this job and I have to keep getting the promotions to pay all my bills. And, and then, you know, your health starts to decline, but you need to keep working hard. And then you've got stressors in your relationship. And it's like, it leaks to every area. And we don't realize how it's this subtle thing 
that's just bubbling right underneath the surface. And so I'm really cognizant of going, okay, so you overspent. Who cares? Like, first of all, you have to be in the present moment. And it's super, super, super important just to accept that that is the reality that you've created today. Why? Because it's all you have. Hmm. Because if you don't accept exactly this scenario that you are the creator of, because it's not your boss's fault, it's not your parents' fault, it's not your spouse's fault, like on some level, you've either not had your voice and held boundaries for yourself, or you've made choices all along the way that has created the scenario you have, good or bad, it doesn't matter, it just is. Mm -hmm. And that acceptance, what that does is it frees you up emotionally so that you can start to now take steps forward to redesign what your intentions are of what you want to create for tomorrow and then start to take action steps that support those intentions. You know, most of the people I've worked with over the years that I would call wealthy, and make no mistake about it, Miss Winfrey at the top is a billionaire. And then everybody else falling in line underneath that. Some entertainer friends of mine that were multimillionaires. Wayne Dyer did really well. I mentioned him earlier on. None of these people, whether I had conversation with them or know enough about them, ever started what they were doing to become wealthy. Right? Never. Explain that, please. Yeah. I mean, when I sit down with somebody, I say, so if we were sitting here three to five years from now, what would you like to have created in your life? And they always say, what do you mean financially? And I go, I don't care financially or, or any part of your life. No one ever talks about the money, ever. That is not what they talk about first. And it's no different than thinking about like on your deathbed. Are people talking about, wow, I wish I would have made more money. Nope. They're all talking about the experiences of life and how they would have done it differently. Yeah. Right? And um, so I think it's really important that um, money is actually just the result of the energy that you're putting out in the world. And, And I think it's also important to note that there, money in two different aspects. So like when you say wealthy, um, that I would assume that, that most people that plants in their heads that they're asset affluent. But mm-hmm. on the um, other side, there's income affluence. So there's a lot of people who have created income affluence for themselves. So they feel like they're rocking and rolling and flowing. But because those inflows match outflows, then that's not creating as much wealth that you may want to have created or want to amass. Right. And um, because this is where the whole concept of my new book, The Four Spiritual Laws of Money, that comes out on my 50th birthday this month. Ta-da. Um, <laughs> um, I talk about in the embodiment of real wealth. And it's, it's financial wealth, it's relationship wealth, it's family wealth. It's about really having sustainable happiness in all areas of your life. Like your job, no matter where you are in your career, that it's feeding your heart and soul and your pocketbook. Right, right. Right? And that's what people realize. When they become financially wealthy, they sit there and they're still searching because they're like, oh, I thought I'd get here and then I'd have something or not. So if I can teach somebody anywhere along the poor, the debtors, dreamers, accumulators, and the rich but empties, if I can teach them anywhere along the boat to experience real wealth, no matter where it is that you're at, that to me is truly living in alignment with your heart and soul. When I got into radio in in 97, uh, I started with nothing. 
I just, you know, I had five shows to get it right. I had five hours over five weeks, and it, it, it one thing led to another. And this was my calling in the beginning. It became a career. I think a lot of people start that way. I think you probably have that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're called to the work, and you go do the work. Totally. And next, right, and then other things happen from that. Right. And and years later, so I got in '97, and in 2006, so nine years later, which is not very long, nine years later. Uh, I was involved in the Oprah Radio Network, and, and at first I, I said, I don't want to be involved. And the reason for that was because they didn't want me to be on the air right away. I, I said, I, you know, this is what I've been doing. I came down with my brag book, and everybody thinks I'm great, and let's go <laughs> and do this. And I remember uh, the guy that was the general manager, he said, well, I know who you are, and I know what you've accomplished, but I can't put you on the air. And I said, well, then why are we having this conversation? Right. And he said, <laughs> well, he says, what I want you to do is coach. Because we don't have anybody that's accomplished what you've accomplished in talk radio. And we have all these people who've never done talk radio. And I had a choice uh, to make there. The choice was, do I keep my ego intact to go, nope. <laughs> or do I listen and say, maybe. So, yeah, go with the flow. Right. right? So I'm like, okay, so I, this, is a, this opportunity is not coming around again. Right. I say no or I'm done. You know, they'll go find somebody else and, and okay. But I'm, on, I'm at the head of the list. And I said, so let me think about it. And I, I was living at the time in Upper Michigan, which is six hours from Chicago. And I thought kids are in high school and there's a lot going on. And there's a lot of factors that go into it. But I also know that there's something calling me. Mm-hmm. And it was the whole process that had started in 1997. Right. I actually had designed the, the original outline for Oprah Radio and met with Oprah. And, uh, but we, we met and you know it took two more years for that to happen. So I wasn't in a position to say no, flat no, because I didn't get what I wanted. Then I said, you know, let me think about it. I'll I'll let you know. So I called back maybe a day later. I didn't want to give him too long. And I said, I just don't know that it's the right thing to do. And and I got a lot of things to be considered. What are we talking about here financially? And when he told me, I said, oh, I'll do that. (laughs) Why didn't you just tell me that yesterday? You know? So my point being is that on one hand, I think there are things that we can, that, that flexibility is important. And sure. I, I have to say, because this is where the, some of the lessons I've learned from you over the years has played out. So when I first met you, I was in the thick of it there. And mm-hmm. I, I went from my own show in Michigan, you know, paying the bills and earning a living and having a, a, a nice uh, audience and, you know, advertisers, fairly easy. I was popular. It's all right there. I could just work at that for the next 25, 30 years. And, but then this shift came. And I, I, again, it all changed. There was a lot of ramifications around all that, a ripple effect from making that decision. But right, I went from right. I went from like the ninety eight percent into the two percent, <laughs> oh, literally overnight. But it really wasn't overnight. It was seven years of work. Sure. Right. And right. so what I learned on both sides of that was that even living in the two percent, or maybe it was the one percent, depending on how you add it up, I still had the same problems, the same difficulties. I just had a better car. Right. To yeah. get to them, right? Right. And this is where your intentions are so important. So like when I have someone that has that increased lifestyle like that, I'm like, okay, you just got a bump. I want to make sure that that, well, I call it newfound money, intentionally goes to exactly what you want to create in your life from this point forward. Right. Because many of us, all we do is consume it in lifestyle. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And you know what happened back then? I wish that you'd have been on staff at Harpo. They could have used you big time. So back then it was, okay, well, we have a 401k, and I'm not going to do all the details, but the bottom line is a really good matching program, and go ahead and put your money in. I didn't know anything was in the portfolio. We had some guy do it. You right, Just some guy right. over here was here just, you know, here's what we're taking <laughs> on your check. and here, It was just so, you know, it was like right. in, a little bit overwhelmed. All of us, I think, we felt like we were plucked from relative obscurity 
to build this thing out. But anyway, that was, it was such an interesting, and then that ended. And when that ended, my life went back to kind of how it was even worse. I went through some serious difficulty. But even in that time, I realized that it wasn't about the money. It's never about the money. It was never about the money. It's never, it's, the money is just the result of something else. Right. Because right. it's the frequency and energetic vibe that you're putting out there that actually creates the money in the first place. And that's why it's never actually about the money, even though people think it's the money. Yeah. You know, and, you know, you talk about your dad and then I'm sitting here thinking, going, wow, you know, the reason I do what I do today is so much. My dad still at 74 years old thinks that, well, if I just had a better job, I would like I'd be happier because I'd have more money. Yeah. And he's like, and I'm like, Dad, the money, like, because he's taught me that, you know, I've watched him have this relationship with money where it's come and it's gone. He was yeah. an electrician. So, oh boy. you know, it did. He It came and it went. You know, you were laid off or you were working right. or you are doing overtime or double time. And, um, and it was feast or famine. And um, it didn't make him any happier when he was getting triple overtime on a holiday. Right. You know, because he was missing his family. Uh, right yeah. and and so like there's there's these trade-offs and um <clears throat> and this is where you know i've watched you know i've coached many many people and you don't feel any different when you get to that million or two million dollar mark you don't it's just a number because, somewhere right well you still have this emptiness and hole inside of you that you thought something outside of yourself was actually going to like make it all work and that's not true. The only thing that you can do is do your work on the inside because it's never about the money. Right. Because that is your personal evolution process. And and I'm telling you, when people align with their heart and soul, more money shows up every single time. But we're so used to blocking and tackling and doing in life that we forget that like when this job opened up for you, like, it was just literally like, oh, is that easy? I'm just supposed to step into it. <laughs> like, how can it be? Like, we almost create it to be hard because it's that easy. And because we're not used to easy, but that's what's being in a flow state is all about in the present moment. Is that when the door opens, because for seven years, you positioned yourself to be lucky for that opportunity to right. open up. And when it opened up, it's just about then participating in the synchronicity of life and step into it and then more opened up for you because money was the result of that. Yeah. Because you were doing what you love by being a radio show host. Yeah. And and that that led to the next thing and to the next thing and then you know when you're in the Oprah orbit everybody comes your way. It's just all it was totally. like a giant Pandora's box in a good way. I'll never forget the first time and I'd already been a lot doing a lot of speaking engagements long before I got to Harpo but I remember the first time I got a call to to do a talk and I was going to get paid more in an hour than my dad made in a month and a half. Right. And right. I thought, I thought to myself, wait, I think they have, have me confused <laughs> with somebody oh, else, right? When I bought my condo for $200,000, my dad goes, why in the hell would you buy a place that expensive? And I'm like, oh, geez, dad. Like, because he bought a $40,000 house. Right. right? It's his reference, like, sure. It's, it, absolutely. So, and it's really about loving ourselves all along the way and being okay with the fact that when you make decisions that it's okay to disappoint other people mm. because if you start to add all the shame blame guilt and judgment into the equation which so many of us do around right, money right 
that that just creates more suffering pattern for yourself. Yeah, because it's an endless loop. Right. It never stops. Yeah. It never, and, and those emotions are just needing to come up to be felt. And like I have, I would say probably 50% of the clients that walk in my office wind up within tears. Oh, um, wow. Because I, I've, I crack them open. I go, it's a safe place. Like, let yep. her rip. And, let you know, her rip. and. Yeah. <laughs> I could just and see just you sit like, by my hang. I could just see you sitting there with your arms full of going, let her rip. And, and then they're like, but this is my financial meeting. Like, they, they literally go through this process. I watch them go through this process. Like, going, wait a minute. Then they remember where they're at. And then they're trying to collect themselves. And I'm yeah. like, no, 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 let her rip. And I hand them the box of Kleenex. And then it starts to open up. Because yeah. once you open up that heart that has been energetically protected from your survival mechanisms, because that's what happens. We, we wind up in these financial survival patterns because we're trying to protect our own hearts. Because somewhere along the boat, you know, you figured out how to survive, but right. you haven't figured out how to thrive. Oh, wow, that's a good one. So listen, so this is, so now that we got everybody all juiced up and jacked up here, here's why, here's <laughs> why, and this is like our conversations off the air, but here's why I asked you to come on is because you're doing something that I think is so important for people, which is giving them direct access to you. Yes. In, a, in an online course. This is so yeah. great. So it's great to listen to the podcast. It's great. Go buy Julie's books. But tell me about this course that you're doing. Yeah. So I actually um, started as like a template at the beginning of this year. I was like, you know, I need to do what I do on more scale. And what I started to realize that when anyone hears me speak, they're like, yes, got it. Like, listen to this podcast. Like, they get it. And they're like, okay. But then if they couldn't hire me one on one, then it was like, oh, so that's what really led me to start writing my books. Then I created workbooks. And um, at the beginning of this year, I started doing these quarterly um, coaching, live coaching. So mm -hmm. I am with, and I've learned to do it. I've done it um, with groups of people of many different sizes. I've done some, you know, up to a thousand people online at once. What? Um, I know, isn't that a crazy? A thousand? Isn't that crazy? I had a friend of mine who has a huge YouTube following and um, he's like, hey, I'm teaching this thing. And this is what gave me the idea to actually create this course where people can then, um, <clears throat> because I realized what I do one-on-one, -on -one, I have figured out how to do it with my worksheets and workbooks and give homework assignments. Mm -hmm. um, so people sign up for three months and you show up every week for an hour and a half. And that's smaller groups. It's not a thousand people in these groups, but yeah, um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but. So that way you're not only, um, you're in a group setting and we're on Zoom um, and we meet every Wednesday and it's about, you know, I have people set their intentions in the um, first few weeks in the, not only their financial life, but their personal family and career life. And, um, and then we start to work through and we, um, what I notice over time is that the, you're gonna wind up, the synchronicity of life, how it works is that you're gonna wind up in a group setting with other people that have similar things going on. You know, that's why you're being called to like join it at that time. And um, it's worked really effectively. Uh, and I'm enrolling people actually right now uh, into that live coaching uh, for the next three months. And so, so, so can I yep. say it? I got to say it. Murph, is it yep. Wealthy Wednesday? Oh, <laughs> no, but that's really <laughs> that's pretty good. good, huh? I like that. <laughs> Wealthy Wednesday. That one's getting written down. Write it oh, down. Oh, I like that. <clears throat> but this, Wealthy Wednesday. I so, like it. So 
if people want to do this, how do they do it? Where do they do it? What's the protocol here? Yep. Um, you could go to my website, juliemurphy.com, and you just sign up, and um, you can just click on um, to join me, and then we just have, we work with this company called Stripe, where you can yep. be billed monthly at uh, $99 a month, or you can pay with a little bit of discount, like the full three months up front, we give you a little bit of a discount right. um, if you pay up front. And, and, and people who subscribe to this podcast, they know because Stripe is the same billing company that I use, so it's legit. Yep, 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 yep. yep. And, uh, and then, you know, I've had people um, continue to go from one quarter to the next, and some people have gotten what they needed in that quarter, and then they come back a couple quarters later. And so it's whatever. To me, this is about creating a platform that I want people to step into when they want to meet um and because you're ready to do the next layer of your work because in between you got to go live life and let more things shake its way out right and so and it does and some people find it better to continue to be on and some people take a quarter off and um it's actually been working extremely well and it's a way that people can get access to me um live straight me not not team members not anyone it's me What's this like for you all these years that you've been following your calling, which has become this incredibly expansive and wonderful career for you? What do you get so much out of this? I mean, there's payoffs besides the obvious. What's the payoff for Julie Murphy and all this? Oh, my gosh. Um, I get super, super excited about people breaking through their subconscious patterning. Like when somebody actually has that breakthrough moment, and they get to the other side and everything that's held them back in their lives from their patterning just breaks through. It's, to me, that's, I get this incredible sense of joy because that's the journey I was on. You know, I was the second oldest of 12 kids. You know, when I did my undergrad, I listened to everybody and didn't even apply at Notre Dame because I was told that I was, I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks and that I was a girl and I couldn't play football and get a scholarship there. <laughs> and so I figured out how to become income affluent and then asset affluent. And also, I always regretted not going to Notre Dame. So guess where I did my master's at? I Indeed. went to Notre Dame. That's it. Yeah. And so to me, I don't want anyone to ever die with any regrets. And it's just about really embodying why you're here. And for me, having people accomplish that, and that goes for even people who work for me. You know, I, I, my brother Mark works with me and we laugh all the time. It's like, oh, people come to work for us. They get the part in their journey that they need to expand the next place and then they move on. And we've got a couple that have stayed through the years, you know, that are our foundation. And it's it's funny. That's just what I do. It's just what makes me tick, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it just makes me tick. Like, I wake up and, you know, sometimes I feel bad for my kids. They're like, you know, they see me in a whole different light. And I'm like going, um, <clears throat> like mom you work so much i'm like god when you just love what it is that you do and you're changing lives and you're getting people out of their suffering patterns like mm. i was given these gifts for a reason and i want to use them and um over time i've just gotten better and better to use them to reach more souls in the world to um brighten the light of the world because to me, amen sister about. preach it listen to you <laughs> get the collar on jules <laughs> I'll leave the color to them. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Sorry. No, good. All good. But That's you know, a little bit too constricting for me. This, this is, yeah. 
<laughs> yes, it is. You're accurate there. This is so many light years. I'm sitting here, you know, on my left side, the little angel on my left side going, remember how your dad used to come home and talk about all that stuff? Then over on this side, you got Julie Murphy going, this is how it is. And it's always been this way. This is not new age stuff. This has always been. And I think about how I grew up, which is never went hungry, had a big house. And the price my dad had to pay to make that happen always stuck with me. I would watch him walk home from work, and I said to myself as a kid, I will never do something I don't like as much as he has to do what he doesn't like. Right, And yeah. when my dad first right. my dad first heard me on the radio, I brought him up to Michigan. He came up to visit for a few days within the later years of his life. And he sat at home at my house listening. And the next day he goes, can I go with you? I said, sure. So I took him to the studio for three hours. He sat there, didn't say a word. For three hours, he's just staring at me, you know. And back then, back then, my dad, WGN in Chicago was the big thing for my dad. You know, all the guys he listened to. But he's watching his son do this. And we get in the car to go home. He still doesn't say anything. We're about 15 minutes into the ride. He goes, they pay you to do this? I said, yeah. He goes, really? I said, yeah. They pay you to talk. Now, it's okay for the guys on the radio. He likes to do it. That's all different. You know, the Bobby Collins and the Wally Phillips and all those guys. But now his son's doing it. It just didn't add up for him. And so finally he realized it was a calling. And, and what it came out of, he was very proud of it. But it was so interesting because, like you said, what your dad, it just didn't click. He's just not making the connection. Right, know? right, right. All good. Well, my, 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 I'll never forget. It's, it's the same thing like my mom. When I wrote my first book, my mom was an English teacher. And she goes... You, you're writing a book? And I looked at it, I go, why do you say that, Mom? She goes, you are my worst child to teach English to. And I was like, well, I now have a master's from Notre Dame, Mom. I figured it out. Yeah, right, right, And right. she's like, she could not yeah. get her head wrapped around. And literally, like, I, I let her edit the first book. After oh, really? I an editor actually look at it. And, and she goes, wow, this is really good, Jewel. Like, there's only oh, six my. mistakes, I thought. <laughs> like, she literally pulled out the red pen. Yeah. And she, like, because she's a teacher. And it was so yep. funny. And I go, I told you, Ma, I figured it out along the way. Yeah. And um, But it's so funny. And th that kind of brings you point. Like, one of the biggest things that I teach is that you need to stop surrounding yourself with people that don't just support you aligning with yourself more. Because I call them crabs in your bucket because <laughs> yeah. they hold you in place. Like if you saw one crab in a bucket, it can crawl out by itself, no problem. But if you put 10 crabs in a bucket and somebody tries to crawl out, they pull you right back. And so yeah. a lot of people who don't support. And, and why do they do that? Uh, people do that because the people are the crabs. So people, it's because <laughs> you're reinforcing their patterns. People don't want you to leave the bar stool that you're sitting on because that's what's familiar for them and that's right. what makes them comfortable but it's not about them it's about you and once you've shifted and you've grown you can't go back and sit on the same bar stool again yeah because correct. you're not back in the neighborhood like it's not that i don't love and respect where i grew up i absolutely i learned so many things but i can't go back yeah right i hear you i hear you and um it's because i've evolved i've grown and and i'm where i'm at because of all of that and um, but people want you to stay with what they know. And I think what it is is that you reflect to them that things can be different and they may or may not want to change and face those things in their life, even though you're doing it in yours. Yeah, this is deep stuff and it's good stuff. It's all connected to how we connect with the dollars and uncommon sense in our lives for sure. One of the yep. things before I cut you loose has always been fascinating to me is this 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 deep, deep, uh, importance we put on dollars, you know, the physical dollars in our life, which is 
it's just our means of exchange. I get that. But when you really stand back and look at a piece of paper with the dead president on it, you go, really? Really? <laughs> really? Talk about your past coming into your present moment. Right? I'm telling you. <laughs> really something else. Jules, this is always great to talk with you. One more time, people want to know about the course, sign up yep. for the course. Now, when does it run? It just started, right? Yeah, we're going to start. The first session will be this week, but um, you can integrate in, in the second or third weeks, no problem. But um, it's just about going to juliemurphy.com. And um, and I would even encourage you to get even on my email list because maybe not right now is the night, right time. Maybe you got to get through the holidays. Right. Okay, well, we'll be starting up another one in March, right? And mm-hmm. um, it's just about like starting to be around a community that actually will support your financial wellness and where it is that you want to take you and your money. Good stuff. Julie Murphy, you can find her at juliemurphy.com, all her books, all her services, everything else there. Jules, always an outstanding audio adventure with you. Thanks, John. I really appreciate the opportunity. So when I said in the beginning of the show, in the open, where I usually do the up to down staircase in the outdoor, make sense out of the senseless, and if at all possible, find the obvious, buried in the absurd, then I added, hold on to your lug nuts, it's time for an overhaul. Julie Murphy is all about overhauls. And so much, if not everything she talks about in her books, on her website, juliemurphy.com, and especially this online access that she has, is so profound to me personally, because as I said during our conversation, all I got in high school was consumer ed. All I ever saw about money was my dad coming home talking about people who owed it. Um, I'm sure all these people have passed on, but Cleophas 9 Rent was the guy's name. I'll never forget it. And my dad would come home having to deal with this guy over and over and over again. And it probably wore both of them out. The last thing my dad wanted to do was spend eight hours a day calling people to have them make a payment to the bank. And of course, that rubbed off on me for a very long time. I associated money with owing and unhappiness because of my dad. Later, he became the loan officer. So then he was sending the money out to people. He was approving loans, which is a 180 from the collection side of things. But because he started with the collection, ended up in the loan thing, it lightened his burden a little bit. He didn't have to deal with people if they defaulted on loans. But it was a difficult thing for me for a very long time. And I had to work my way out of it. It really came down to what I just told Julie, was seeing my dad go to a job he hated. My dad wanted to be an architect. It never happened. What he did, though, was design different things at our house and little side jobs and things I think that helped him. But he was basically in a a career that was not of his choosing to some greater or lesser degree. He came out of high school. He was going to go to college. That didn't happen for him fully. Uh, He took a job, which was in the financial services. And then next thing you know, he's a loan guy. Then he's a collection guy. And then 12 years has gone by and he's got kids. And the golden handcuffs are slapped on for good. Because the most important thing you can do, he would tell me this all the time. And then when I did it, he was kind of surprised. He said, the best investment you can make is in yourself. I'll never forget him saying that over and over again to me. So when I finally, much later in life, 37 years old, through some difficult, challenging circumstances, became the person who went into this calling of radio, I saw it as an investment myself, even though it came away around in a really strange way. And over the years, it's always been the thing. I've had some, you know, some great stuff. My studio's filled with great stuff, but it's just stuff. And as I always say, Uh, We're all estate sales, garage sales, or yard sales in the making. It just depends on how much money your, you know, remaining family members want to spend on putting yard signs up and how much stuff will go to Goodwill. It's all going somewhere. We come in with nothing and we go out with nothing except our character and ourselves. So 
JulieMurphy.com is where you can find out more about this. I highly suggest you find the means to get involved because just that shift can make a huge difference in your life and pay off in dividends in ways you could never, ever predict. JulieMurphy.com. Until next time, be well. Thanks for listening, and thanks to my subscribers who keep this show moving along. Safe travels. Adios.